If you are able to stand and would like to, please rise for the reading of the gospel lesson, which is Matthew chapter 15, verses 10 through 20. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth is that what defiles them. Then the disciples came to him and asked, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? And he replied, every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them, they are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Peter said, explain the parable to us. Are you still so dull, Jesus asked them. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. But eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. You may be seated. Thank you. There is something that I want to share with you. You need to be made aware of it. I never want to be accused of not asking God for the impossible. I trust God. I believe that God loves me and God loves you. And so when I ask God for what some may think is the impossible, I trust God to answer my request based on what God knows is best. And this is what I've learned. God's best is motivated by God's love. So I will ask for the impossible. Don't judge me. I will ask for the impossible. And I will then trust God to do what's best. Before I begin the message today, I must express my thanks to Mrs. Crystal Clear and Mrs. Carol Robinson and the intercessory prayer team for overseeing this 48-hour prayer vigil focused on David. You remember the language. We ask God to manifest God's miraculous healing power in David's life. We asked God to bless Bobby with enduring strength. I'm thankful that this church has an intercessory team, intercessory prayer team that believes in the power of prayer. And I want to thank, I, I want to thank Ms. Patty Spurgeon and the church council leaders for the leadership role that they played in this 48-hour prayer vigil for David and Bobby. You see, once the intercessory prayer team said, this is what we're going to do, the question had to be asked, where do we start? 
And we started with our church leadership. So thank you, church leaders, who then reached out to committee members and asked committee members to join in the prayer vigil. To God be the glory. To God be the glory for the great things God has done and is doing and will do. We will continue to pray for David. We will continue to pray for Bobby. And yes, for those of you who are struggling right now with you're at your wits end, you don't know what to do, we will pray for you as well because the God whom we serve is a God who not only is where you are, Right now, this God is able to meet you at your deepest point of need. I just have to stay here for a moment. Don't, not every worship service, not every church gets an opportunity to hear what you heard this morning. A reminder of who our awesome living God is. And there's someone who's listening to me today and they're saying, but Pastor Michelle, you don't understand. I prayed. I prayed. I prayed that my loved one would be healed. I prayed that my loved one would not experience the trauma that they experienced. I prayed, Pastor Michelle. And I did not get the answer that I had hoped for. I've been there. I, I, I've experienced that. And yet today I stand before you to say that I still trust God even when God does not answer my prayers according to my will. I'm trusting God to do this, to answer the prayers or according to what God knows is best for me because God loves me. I may not understand and I may not see the answer, but I'm still trusting God, our God, our God, our God, the one who sent his son Jesus Christ to earth to help us to better understand who he is, our God is worthy to be praised and our God can be trusted. I do not know what you are going to face this week. I don't even know what you're going to face today. I don't even know what you are facing at this time. But this is one thing that I know. The God whom you have put your trust in through Jesus Christ is with you, loves you, and can be trusted. So give God a chance. You've looked everywhere else. You've done everything else. Now give God a chance. Well, let us pray. In this moment, loving God, remind us of the truth that our Episcopal leader, Bishop Trimble, spoke of during the annual conference session on yesterday. Your will, nothing more.
nothing less, nothing else. In the name of Jesus to Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. The title of uh, the message today is A Matter of the Heart. And I will tell you, uh, Becky has already preached the sermon. Thank you. I just have to stay here for another minute. Because you see, prayer is nothing more than having a conversation with God. And some of you have chosen to end that conversation for whatever reason. I'm going to encourage you to start talking to God again. God's been waiting for you. Start talking to God again. We, we have a prayer, an intercessory prayer team here at the church, and, and if you're struggling with how do I start the conversation again, don't, don't hesitate to reach out. Call Kathy, the intercessory prayer team will follow up with you. They'll talk to you. We have a congregation that believes in, in the power of prayer. We know of 70 people who participated in the prayer vigil. I would suggest Carol and Crystal, that there were more than 70 people. If you're estranged from God, let me encourage you to work on the relationship through Jesus Christ. A matter of the heart. The Near Eastern culture emphasized the heart's role as thinking, reasoning, and planning. In the New Testament, the heart is viewed as the seat of rational thought and intentions, intentions that include e even evil intentions. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5 states or informs us that the true motives of the heart cannot be hidden from God. It states, please hear, therefore judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. And finally, true forgiveness comes from the heart. Matthew chapter 18, verse 35 states, This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. And again, Jesus was talking um, to Peter and the disciples after Peter asked Jesus the question, So how many times should I forgive my brother or sister? The heart. Today's gospel lesson from Matthew is really about the heart. Now, to understand the conversation that Jesus Christ is having with the crowd that's recorded in Matthew chapter 15, verses 10 through 20, and that, of course, includes that passage of scripture, um, his conversation with the disciples, we need to understand what transpired prior to Jesus' conversation with the crowd. Verses 1 through 9 of chapter 15 records a conversation that Jesus Christ had with the Pharisees and the scribes. In these verses, the Pharisees and the scribes have accused Jesus 
disciples of not honoring the tradition of the elders, more specifically the tradition pertaining to hand washing before Jesus' disciples ate. Now, let me share this with you. You probably know this, but for those of you who do not know it, when we talk about the hand washing in this text, this is not the same as the hand washing that you and I uh, participate in before we sit down for a meal. No, no, we're not talking about using soap and water. No, the Pharisees are referring to a ceremonial hand washing that was done by people as a way of displaying their holiness, their purity. Uh, this was a particular ritual. And the phrase, the tradition of the elders, meant something handed down from one to another by memory, some teaching or custom, not commanded in the written law, but that that the scribes and the Pharisees observed. Uh, these traditions can be found in the Talmud, a set of Jewish teachings and, and commentaries which contains the Mishnah, which is a book of oral trans transmissions and memorizations. I mean, there were so many laws. For example, when it comes to washing of the hands, um, there was a law that, that talked about how much water to use, the size of the basin to use. I mean, you just had to remember all of the ritual. The Pharisees regarded the external purity, the washing of the hands, more important than the purity of the heart. And they accused Jesus' disciples of violating the traditions as though the disciples were obligated to follow such traditions. Jesus' response to the Pharisees and scribes is that his disciples were not bound to obey the traditions of the Pharisees and scribes because they were invented by human beings and they violated the commandments of God. If you were to read Matthew chapter 15, beginning with verse three, Jesus talks about such a violation, just very quickly. So uh, we know from Exodus, one of the commandments says, you are to honor your mother and your father, which means, of course, if there is a need that they have, then you need to supply that need. Well, there was a tradition that said, um, if you want to set aside funding and give it to God, a sacrificial offering to God called Corban, then do that. Which then means you're not obligated to care for your mother and your father. So, so we have the traditions of men going against the commandment of God. Here's my question to us today. What, what traditions do we hold dear as a nation that violate the commandments of God? You know, I cannot help but go back to the first chapter of Genesis that says, in the beginning God created humankind in God's image. That's true. So help me to understand how we can have a tradition whereby groups of people can demonize other groups of people. Are there traditions, Evangel Heights, church family and friends, that we hold dear 
as a community of faith that violate the commandments of God. My mind went to uh, the text in Matthew chapter uh, 22, verses 37 and 38, whereby it says, Jesus says, here are the two greatest commandments. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second one is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Here's the question for us to ask as a community of faith. How well are we loving our neighbors? Not only those who live next door to us, across the street from us, within our cul-de-sacs, within our neighborhood, but how well are we loving our neighbors, Evangel Heights United Methodist Church, who are within our mission field? Are there traditions that we individually hold dear that violate the commandments of God? Hmm. In God's word, it says, how can you say that you love God, who you've never seen, and hate your brother or sister who you see? I would suggest to you that um, the climate that we're currently living in as a nation is because false teachings and traditions that are not biblically based have been taught for generations upon generations. The racism that is being exposed in our society and in the world is due to false teachings. And if you have not done any research on manifest destiny, I would encourage you to do that this week. It's a false teaching. It's a tradition that our nation embraced at the peril of other human beings. So Jesus, in chapter 15, again, um, discounts the Pharisees' emphasis on abiding by the traditions of the elders. And let me just say something because I don't want you to misunderstand. When Jesus lifted up the, the, the hypocrisy of the Pharisees saying to Jews, instead of providing for your families, uh, give a sacrificial offering to God. Uh, Jesus was not saying, please hear this, Jesus was not condemning the practice of giving to God or to religious or charitable organizations. Jesus was condemning the practice of giving to God where it interfered with the duty to parents and relationship and relations and when it was done to get out of the obligation of caring for one's parents. So for Jesus, the source of uncleanliness was not the lack of washing hands ceremoniously, but the heart of the Pharisees. The Pharisees believed that the external acts, their doctrine of purification, declared one to be clean, declared one to be pure, declared one to be holy. And so for our 
focus today, now that you've received that background information, in verses 10 through 20, Jesus Christ teaches what is eaten cannot make one unclean. What makes one unclean is that that proceeds from the heart, which is expressed through the mouth. The Pharisees were so committed to their traditions, they were intolerant of anyone who questioned their traditions. Verse 13 informs us of what the destiny is for those who are more concerned about clinging to their traditions instead of obeying the word of God. It says God will just uproot them. Evangel Heights, United Methodist family and friends, as, a, as the body of Christ, as the church of Jesus Christ, we must expose the false traditions, the false doctrines, the man-made doctrines that conflict with the word of God. I'm thankful that you are a congregation that studies God's word. And when we do expose the false doctrines, when we do expose the false traditions, we can expect a similar response that Jesus Christ and his disciples experienced. Indignation and yes, opposition. Because you see, people who have influence or power over other people, they don't relinquish that power. They want to maintain the power at all costs, even at the cost of clinging to and sharing false doctrines and false traditions. So when Jesus Christ said in the text, let them alone, he did not mean that we are to sit quietly by and see or hear false doctrines or traditions be lived out and we not be involved or get involved. No, we are to correct the false doctrines. We are to expose the false traditions that are not in alignment with the word of God and the teachings of Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, notice, Jesus was talking to the crowd who had been listening to this dialogue between Jesus and the Pharisees. Here's the question. I wonder, what will the crowd do? Will they follow the false doctrines, the false traditions of the Pharisees? Or will they lay them aside and follow the teachings of Jesus Christ? No, what we eat it doesn't defile us. What's in our hearts, that is what will determine if we're defiled or if we are clean. Jesus Christ said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come unto me, all of you who are heavy laden and are burdened. Weary is what he said. In a modern translation, come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. 
take my yoke, my interpretation of the Torah upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle. The crowd, who will they follow? Hmm. That's a question that you and I must ask as well. When our friends, when our circles of influence speak of false doctrines and false traditions, what will we do? Will we just go along to get along? Will we be quiet? Or will we, as followers of Jesus Christ, confront them in a, in a loving way? and share with them what the truth is based on God's word. Today, it doesn't matter what your heart condition is. If your heart is not as pure as it needs to be, then I invite you as I have to daily invite myself, offer up your heart to Jesus Christ and ask Jesus to forgive you as I have to ask him to forgive me for that that is in my heart that does not reflect who he is. Ask for the forgiveness. Let us receive that forgiveness and let us go forth as people determined to speak and act in alignment with the word of God. It really is a matter of the heart. Let us pray. Loving God, your will, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. In the name of Jesus to Christ I pray, amen.